Hey, what's up? It's episode 100, Pain Points of Wealth. It's hard to believe, two years later, and we got a lot to talk about today. We've got unemployment still at the lowest levels in 50 years. We've got wages going up. We've got an employment market that just won't cool off. What's the Fed gonna do? Will they finally pivot? Or are they ready to take this economy off a cliff? Are we going to a deep recession, depression? Well, we're gonna address it all for you today. We're gonna give you our viewpoint on exactly how to play the economy, play the strong dollar, play the higher interest rates, play the conflict in Russia. There's so many issues, I can't name them all. And on the tipping point today, we're gonna to talk about financial planning red flags. You're on your path to financial independence. What red flags do you need to avoid at all costs to make sure you're on your path to financial independence? Check it out, we got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. You know, Ryan, I got to tell you, the only indicator for me is whether the market's going to crash or do well is if the Phillies win the World Series. So when they won in 1980, the market crashed. When they won in 2008, the market crashed. So I'm really hoping as a loyal Philadelphian, I hate to say this, but I hope the Phillies don't win the World Series. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, based on they just barely made it to the third wild card, I don't think there's any chance of them winning the World Series, but you know, who knows? But you know, you guys keep saying everything's down. Let me tell you, mortgage rates are up. Housing prices, even they're down a little bit now, are way up from where they were three years ago. Employment is up, right? The dollar is up. I mean, it says interest rates are up. A lot of things are up that we don't want to have up. Eventually, they could turn. But here's the thing. Market's been extraordinarily volatile, unreasonably so. Sentiment is incredibly negative. If you're negative right now, you're in good company. It's one of the worst sentiment readings I've ever seen in history. And it's all because of Jerome Powell, and we're waiting for him to pivot. Now, will he? Eventually, sure. But look what happened. The first half of this year, we went into a bear market, and then July hit. We had one of the best months in the history of the stock market in the month of July because the market was thinking we were going to see a Fed pivot. When it comes, we don't know, but we're closer to it now than we've ever been. So keep the faith. Stay invested. It's coming. Just don't know when. I like that market insight, Bob. We know the Fed pivot is coming sooner than later. You know what? You should be a Wall Street strategist. Sooner is better than later, Rye. That's true. That's true. But I think it's an interesting time because the one you know, item we've been pointing out week after week, economically speaking, is like it's going to be so hard to cool off this labor market. And as we're recording this, we just had the jobs number come out. It's just a really weird place to be because, yes, inflation's high and yes, the economy's slowing. But meanwhile, we have like a really hot job market. And that's not typically the way it works, right? When you go into recession or some sort of economic slowdown, I mean, obviously you start to see layoffs and that's like just not happening here. Well, it's the opposite, really. I mean, all my clients that are business owners are still struggling to find people, get people to come to work. And even their existing employees, they're really having to pay a little bit more money just to keep the people that they have. So it's definitely a good problem to have, I think. Well, I think it's important to remember that we're not in a market crash, right? I mean, it could happen. Anything's possible, right, guys? But this is a very different scenario. We have a red-hot economy that the Federal Reserve is trying to slow down. They basically have their foot on the brake trying to slow the economy so they can slow inflation. Now, the risk is, is they break too hard, right? And we all get whiplash, we end up in a recession. But even some of the most noted economists are saying, we do go into recession, it'll probably be mild because we're in such good shape 
economically. So it's always important to remember that. This is truly just a price adjustment to a higher interest rate, higher inflation situation. As I said, guys, this too shall end. We just don't know when. But keep in mind, whenever you invest, when everybody's positive, you're usually your returns aren't very good. The best returns come in bear markets where everybody's negative. So that's why investing so hard. It's so counterintuitive. You know, it's really important to keep that in mind. An educated consumer is the best investor. Well, you know what, Dad? I've been doing a lot of annual reviews the past two weeks, and all my clients are telling me the same thing. Things are terrible. Everything's horrible. And the question I've been asking everybody is, okay, well, with everything going on, first of all, what's drastically different about your life, and what are you doing to change that? And the answer is always the same. Their life hasn't changed very much. They're continuing to spend what they've spent in the past, and probably more because of inflation. They haven't stopped traveling. Last night I met with a client. They said the same thing, and they just spent $50,000 to remodel their kitchen. So you know, nobody's life has changed. In fact, people are okay with spending money. Well, that's the interesting dynamic right now, right? Because we look at retail sales every month, they're actually going up. And it's not just because inflation's going up. That's kind of the shallow view. Yeah, if you're paying more for gas, then of course, you know, spending is going up. But that's not the case. It's also on going out to restaurants. It's people traveling. So we're seeing that in the retail sales numbers. It's kind of like, yeah, we're all annoyed, really annoyed that prices have gone higher, but we just can't get ourselves to spend less, which is truthfully very American if you think about it. And I think that's the key to everything here is you're not seeing people in general. Now, I know in some cases people are pulling back or not pulling back as drastically as one would expect, given how high inflation is. So I guess, right, you're starting to fly coach these days and staying out of first class. Am I hearing that right? Chris, I'm always a man of the people. I always sit and coach. I don't know about you, but I'm okay with it. I don't know. I always say, why sit in the back if you can sit in the front? Chris, you've always wanted to fly airplanes. I never wanted anywhere near that, but I do want to be as close to the pilot seat as possible. That second row in first class is usually my preferred seat. But anyway, here's the thing we're dealing with, guys. We got Jerome Powell, who is trying to save face, right? He totally blew it a year ago when he said, I wasn't even thinking about even thinking about raising interest rates. And not just him, all these other Fed governors that are falling over each other every week saying, we're going to be hawkish for longer. and We're going to keep raising rates and we're going to put this economy, slow it down. So these are the same people a year ago were singing a different tune. They're singing a different tune today. Who knows what they're going to be saying a month from now. But I think it's clear to everyone that we're starting to see inflation come down. We had probably have seen peak inflation, right? Lumbers dropped. They're seeing housing prices starting to drop. You know, with mortgage rates doubling, there's 2 million millennials who aren't going to be able to afford a house right now or are going to wait and see where the prices go and where rates go before they commit themselves. So there's lots of pent up demand that's going to keep building up until there's a little clearer picture of the future. When that happens, boy, I'll tell you what, you don't want to be short this market. Sounds like the name of the game is from hawkish to bullish. <laughs> yeah, pick your animals of choice there. But that's, that's a really good point is as a long-term investor, like to your point, but we are going to pivot at some point. Right now, the market's pricing in no pivot. Hence, you're getting these extremely low prices, valuations. You know, the market's probably as cheap as it's ever been in my career. At some point, when you get the hint that the Fed's going to actually change course, it's too late. You know, markets are already going to melt up. So as a long-term investor, you really just got to embrace the uncertainty right now and embrace the fact that the market can't price in a Fed pivot because the Fed hasn't done it yet. So I think the key here is just don't wait, get invested. Well, we know Jerome Powell isn't paying attention so far, but we hope he does because we know the conditions on the ground are changing, right? You talk to any home builder, you talk to anybody who's going to the supermarket, talk to anybody filling up their gas tank right now. Right, inflation's definitely had an impact. The economy is slowing down. They're getting what they want, right? They're seeing it a global slowdown. So as they always say in every great novel, it's always darkest before the dawn. 
Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 100, Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I literally collectively have done this for over 75 years. So everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you want to get a full purview into what you're doing with your financial plan and you've saved over a million dollars, Chris, Bob, and I will run for your total financial master plan and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It is a holistic review where we look at everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We literally will build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and hone in on every issue that you have. We'll look at an income plan. If you're getting close to retirement or retired now, how are you going to draw from your portfolio? How do you factor in inflation? We're going to look at diversification. What underlying risks do you have in your portfolio? Are you getting hit hard this year as markets are going all over the place? Or are you sitting with cash, earning nothing on your money as we're at a 40-year high in inflation? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at taxes and fees. Wall Street loves to sell you products that have high fees and high taxes and those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you how to reduce all the internal costs, show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes with our full tax playbook. It's not what you make, it's what you take. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And we got a really special guest on the show today, one of the biggest financial friends you'll ever want to have in your life. We got Frankie, Francesca Frankie Lagrateria. She's a, my colleague, Bob's colleague, Chris's colleague here at Pain Capital Management, one of our star financial advisors. Frank, always great to have you on the show. Episode 100. Woo! That's so exciting. It's two years. I'm tired of carrying Chris and Bob for so long. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. Great having you, Frank. And of course, since the 100th episode, we figured we had one of our stars on the show here. So I thought today what we could talk about, since you're in the trenches in the financial planning world, in our boutique firm, Pain Capital Management, you know, all we do is give people financial planning advice, uh, help them allocate their assets. So I thought we could talk about just some of the red flags that we see week after week that you really need to make sure you're addressing in your own financial planning. I'll take the first one. Can you name all the investments in your portfolio off the top of your head? If you can, chances are you're not very well diversified. This is a great one. I actually had a client who just came in this year. When I first met with him last December, you know, we're just chit-chatting, getting to know each other. I was like, you know, could you send me your statement? He's like, no need, girl. I know what I'm in. One target fund. Now, this man had like several million dollars all in one target fund which I think target funds are spectacular when you're first starting out. But like my big number is 50,000, not several million is when you should start diversifying out. And you know, what's really cool was even at the low of this year, as crazy as the market's been, he went back and back tested his one stock that he had, his one mutual fund, and he was blown away how much better we performed. Well, that's the problem with these all-purpose funds that they're not all purpose. And the biggest problem, and again, I think they're the greatest way to start when you're just adding money to a 401k or retirement plan, because it does give you instant diversification. It isn't one stock, right? It's a diversified portfolio. But you know, if you have more money, you can get more sophisticated investments and you can have institutional bond management, which is really the key because you know how I feel about bond funds. They're the weapons of mass financial destruction. 
They're the worst investment you can make, especially if you're in a position to own individual high quality bonds that's managed and actually has a fixed rate of return with a fixed maturity date. What could be better? Big boot of bond funds. The other thing is, is that a lot of these funds aren't periodically rebalanced. So inevitably they get capitalization weighted. So meaning that all the good stuff rises to the top. Biggest problem with that is that when those things start to pull back, like in the case of the last 10 years, big tech was the great trade. Now with inflation, those things are getting hit pretty hard and the target tons are getting hard in step. You know what else I've noticed is that even though they are a really great way of starting out, they are a lot more diversified than just, you know, picking one or two stocks, especially if you don't know what you're doing. But this year, one of our greatest performers or only performer is commodities and energy. They're usually not represented in, in big mutual funds like that. Yeah, now that's a great point. And we know that the cornerstones of a properly diversified portfolio is you want to have some real estate exposure. You want to have some commodity exposure. Historically, they've been tremendous hedges. And this year is the perfect example of that, right? We've had commodities in our portfolio for years. They did nothing. It was sad. We cried. But eventually, they've come into favor. And I, and I argue right now, too, like when you start constructing your portfolio, like you want to look at the international markets. The performance has been horrible for like a decade. But they go through periods where they dramatically outperform the U.S., and right now, if the dollar is so strong and the valuation is so cheap, like you want to be spreading that money out in one of those diversified or those quote unquote diversified target funds, you don't typically get great exposure to all different markets the way you can do it when you customize a portfolio, especially when you start to build up your balances. Well, to quote an old Bobism, if you're happy with everything in your portfolio, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you have the wrong portfolio. Now, I'm going to give everybody a secret tip on how to time the market. No, we don't believe in timing the market, but here's when inflation is going to peak is when a major Wall Street firm comes out with a huge fund that's going to be the way to hedge against soaring inflation. That'll be the top of inflation. Trust me, they never miss a top. I think they're actually coming out now. I actually got pitched on a couple of those in my emails. So we're probably getting close, right? Wall Street's already starting to roll them out. So that's probably a sign, Bob. Inflation's coming down. They always have great names too, like the Prudential Sleprock High Yield Junk Bond Fund or something like that. It's enhanced yield, Chris. It's not junk. It's enhanced yield. Sorry, enhanced yield. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's a great thing about this industry, right? Like you make something that's so risky and so inappropriate for your portfolio, but they give it such a fancy name or a name that sounds like this is going to perform really well, only to find out that you're just going to get slaughtered. Well, you know, another red flag I find is how often do you hear from your financial advisor? But even more importantly, you know, how often do you meet with your financial advisor to do your at least annual financial physical? The funny thing is, like, we get a physical every single year when it comes to our physical health. I hope you do anyway. If you don't, you should be doing that. But I mean, when it comes to your finances, most of us just don't do it. And your life is changing all the time. It's kind of like when you get a physical at 18, it's going to be a lot different than when you're in your 40s and your 60s. Like, things change a lot. And what your doctor's looking for changes a lot. It's the same thing with your financial plan. If you're not doing that like every 12 months because your life changes, like, that's a huge red flag. Like, you can't just set it and forget it. And our industry is so lazy. And they love to do that. But man, man, you can't afford that when it comes to your financial health. Well, it's one of the reasons why we see a lot of you listen to our radio show in New York and, and listen to our podcast. I've been transferring your assets over because I always found that as an investor, we can handle good news. We can handle bad news. You know what we don't like? We don't like no news. So, you know, if your financial advisor doesn't call you once in a while, let you know what's going on, you might have the wrong one. And I think a lot of times that comes down to having a good relationship with your financial advisor. You know, I know if you have like that like, weird doctor with cold hands, you're not really looking forward to your annual. You're not really looking forward to going there at all. <laughs> so maybe you push it off a few months. 
But like if you have someone you enjoy talking to or you're looking forward to it and it's not just constantly like, how much money are you spending? Like slap the hand. Well, you know, what are you doing wrong? Slap the hand. It's more of a conversation. It's planning. It's fun. And it's exciting. You have a good conversation. Maybe they're a financial friend, as one would say. Frankie does not have clients. Frankie has financial friends. And that's true, Frank. You know, you really do have to develop a relationship with your clients because there's trust on both sides. As a matter of fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to one of my clients and she was telling me that she was really, really tempted to pull all of her money out of the 401k and go to cash, but she knew that I was going to call and ask about it. So she didn't do it. Wait, is that what they call Chris? Chris cold hands pain is because it's very uncomfortable to get a financial consultation from him? No, it's clammy hands, Chris. I thought it was cold hands, warm heart. Is there any truth to that? That Chris Payne does a great job, but man, oh man, he's creepy when he calls me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, another red flag when it comes to your financial plan is, do you even know how much income you need? And I find this is like the baseline. Whenever we start the planning process, you know, one of the first things we look at is just getting an idea what your expenses are. No one likes to look at them, right? Because we know we all spend on things we shouldn't spend on and we're afraid to see it. But man, oh man, it's so therapeutic to just get a clear idea of what you're spending on a monthly and annual basis. And from there, I mean, you can solve all your financial problems, but you've got to start there. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I found with that too, is that most people drastically underestimate what they spend. I mean, by a factor of almost 50%, you know, when you sit down with folks and go through the review, everybody always argues with me, oh, I don't spend that much money. And then two weeks later, after I've had them go through their budget, they're like, wow, not only do we spend that amount, but here's a couple other budget items that we forgot about. Well, it's a nice thing about our e-money portals. They actually do calculate, you know, what you spend. So, you know, if you want to lie to yourself, you can, you know, or if you want to believe your lying eyes, you got to take a look at your portal. So I think it's really important to have that income stream. And just take me to want to have a market that's dropping like it is right now. You don't want to be selling to meet your lifestyle, right? You want to be able to preserve your principal for the recovery and just spend the income. And I think that's really important to remember that I have a lot of questions with my clients where they'll say, like, this is how much I need to spend. But they're like, I'm like, oh, well, what about your social security? That should cover it. Well, that doesn't count. So a lot of those things that just don't count, you know, make sure you at least tell your advisor. You know, it's kind of like, you know, calories don't count when you're cooking. They count. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, Frank, I actually, I was talking to somebody recently. And one of the things that we did when we went through their financial plan is we found out if they cut their expenses by $5,000 a year, they'd be, the difference between failure and success was 5000 a year. And they're like, how is that possible? How, you know, I... $5,000 a year is not that much, but then I showed him what $5,000 a year is compounded at 3.1% over the next 30 years. It's a huge number. You know what's so funny? $5,000 is not that much when it comes to saving it. No, no, that's a good point. And that's where if you know your expenses, you can actually say, okay, look, here's some of the more frivolous expenses like I can actually get rid of, right? But if you don't know what you're spending, you can't make those decisions. And you can do some cutting because I know me personally, that's what I'm always afraid of is like, oh, I just don't want to look at all those things I wasted money on. But if you don't address it, you're just going to keep spending money and wasting it on stuff you know you shouldn't. Well, I thought it was pretty funny when Chris and you and Rye went down to Miami and you were doing all those interviews with people on the street. And it was amazing. People had no idea what they were spending money on. And then when they started to tick off and they were spending money on, they're going, boy, that's really dumb. Why am you know, <laughs> I should be putting that money in an investment. So it's almost as if you bet it, it's beneficial if somebody challenges you on what you're spending. Absolutely. And I'm all about buying that bag, like look good, feel good, get your hair done, get your nails done, but make sure you put a little money away for yourself so that future self can also be like live in lux on a beach somewhere in vacation, like, you know, permanent retirement vacation, maybe keep 10% for your savings, right? And then go get your nails done, your hair done, look good, feel good. 
So I'm all about the balance, guys. <laughs> yeah, Frankie, try telling Ryan to cut down on this Beanie Baby collection. <laughs> That's an investment, Chris. Have you not seen eBay? I'm sorry, I forgot. Collectibles. Yeah, what it sounds like to me, guys, is like compounding cuts both ways, right? If you're not investing your money, you're not compounding your growth. If you're spending more, you're missing out on the compounding. And if you're borrowing, that compounding works against you. So, yeah, it's not a bad idea to have a hard look at it. At least have a trusted advisor will take a hard look at you and tell you the hard truth once in a while. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 100. That's right, 100 pain points of wealth. We got over 100,000 downloads. It's been growing by leaps and bounds. Thank you for the support. If you like our content, you love our content, let other people know about it. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. If this is on Spotify, you can subscribe. And if you're watching this on YouTube, give us a like. You can subscribe to the channel and click that notification bell. We update it every week of all our new content. And now, if you want to ask us questions, simply go to bbullish.com questions. You can submit your questions there. We'll talk about them here on the podcast. We'll answer all your questions directly one way or the other. So check it out. Go to bbullish.com slash questions. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. All right. It's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, including the 27-member European Union plus the United Kingdom, Norway, Switzerland, Iceland, basically Europe, is home to over 500 million people with GDP equal to 25% of the world's output in 2021. That's slightly greater than the US, which is about 24% of all global output and greater than China's 18%. You can't write off Europe. You know, Ry, that number is surprising. I mean, they have a lot more people than we do, 500 million, but they're only generating 1% more in GDP. It just shows you that good old US of A, you know, we're still stronger per individual. How's that? But the fact of the matter is we have this recency bias that a lot of investors now believe I don't need to invest anywhere but the US. It's called home bias. Well, that could bite you in the bias if you keep doing that because Europe will outperform at some point, China will outperform at some point, and their valuations are cheaper and their dividend yields are higher. So let this be a lesson. There's opportunity everywhere off the shore of the US. You know, still want to have the majority of your money here, but don't forget about Europe. And for the record, I've never been bitten the bias before. I know. It's a new Bobism. <laughs> Chris, US energy exports to Europe surged to 43 billion in the first half of 2022 an increase over 190% from a year ago. The energy crisis is getting real in Europe. Yeah, and I also suspect that when Putin came out and said that they had to pay for their natural gas in rubles, that probably turned a lot of people off. I don't know about you guys, but if I went to the gas station and they asked me to pay in rubles, I'd go somewhere else. If that's the case, we're in a lot of trouble. Frankie, Apple launched production of its new iPhone 14 in the India city of Chennai. It is predicted a quarter of the world's iPhones will be assembled in India by 2025 up from just 3% today. Yeah, that's not surprising. You know, India has a population that's just as big as China and it's younger. Yeah, we always think about China as being the largest economy in the world in like 10 years, but who knows, right? I mean, things change all the time. And again, speaking of opportunity outside of the US, India's got a much younger population that's growing much faster and the opportunity for growth there is much, much greater. You can't just be US-centric with your investments. Bottom line, Bob. The villa called Casa del Sol, a mansion built on Dubai's Palm Jumeirah, Jumeirah Island, I think I'm saying that right, fetched $82.4 million when it was sold in July, the most expensive home ever to be sold in the Persian Gulf Emirate. The villa has eight bedrooms, 18 bathrooms, a gym, cinema, bowling alley, jacuzzi, and a basement car that can fit 15 vehicles. That sounds pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Well, it sounds pretty sweet. And you know what? I don't even want the house. 
I would like to meet the buyer. I'd like to help them to invest their money because instead of putting $82 million into a depreciating asset, or maybe not, but at least one that's going to cost a lot in real estate taxes and overhead and keeping everything else, I could generate almost $4 million in tax-free income in a municipal bond portfolio. That's just the way I think. You know what else, Bob? I don't see a pool on that list. <laughs> not worth it to me. Yeah. No, that's a fallacy, guys. A home jacuzzi always appreciates in value. I mean, it's probably the best investment outside of uh, Bobcoin that I can think of. You know, hey, let's face it, guys. They can put 18 cars in that garage. Good luck getting one right now. <laughs> Bob, always so practical, always so pragmatic. But I feel like if you have an 18-car garage, you can get into the front of the line when it comes to the supply chain and getting your vehicle first. Just saying. Yes, 40% above MRSP. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, another great show. Frankie, thank you for joining us for episode 100. Pleasure having you today. Congratulations. Episode 100. Woo. Woo. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please give us that five-star rating. Let others know about the podcast. Please, you can subscribe on Spotify. You can subscribe on YouTube. Click that like button. Click that notification bell. And any questions you have, go to bebullish.com slash questions. We'll answer them. That's it for this week. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.